Come on and listen. We got suggestions on the Bird Talker Radio. If your bird's misbehaving, we'll help you save it on the Bird Talker Radio. If your bird's getting rowdy, just call and say howdy on the Bird Talker Radio. We are birds of a feather. We'll stick together on the Bird Talk Radio. Dot com. We are recording. We are live. I am live from Kansas City. Listening audience, as you know, Steve Martin is president of Natural Encounters, and he is going to be sharing a few of his topics today, which include, as soon as I pull up my notes here, uh, common problems with parrots, screaming, biting, how to build trusting relationships, parrot-reared versus hand-reared parrots. This is a big deal, and Steve knows it's a big deal, but listening audience, this is a trend that we've all been uh, kind of transitioning to a lot of us in agriculture are letting the baby parrots fledge longer and stay with their parents longer. Um, a lot of avian <clears throat> professionals in agriculture are finding that they get a better uh, behavior quality, a stronger character of a bird. The bird is more of a bird than a pet. So Steve's going to be talking about his uh, lifelong experience uh, in this area also teaching behaviors the science of behavior change principles positive reinforcement free flight uh, i was informed by yvonne patterson that steve is one of the first people to free fly birds at a bird show which he does at a lot of zoos all over the world or has been i think from like the 1970s steve will also be talking about the NEIC Tech Talks um, coming up, uh, Dr. Susan Friedman and Kim Ramirez. You can find that link at naturalencounters.com slash tech talks, T-E-C hyphen talks. You can find that on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Casey Bird Whisperer. Steve, go for it. Yes. I'm hi, hi Kate. Thanks for having me on the uh, on the show. What a great opportunity to talk with you and others uh, about parrots, all kinds of parrots. You know, I grew up with parrots. I had parrots when I was a little kid, and um, uh, always had a parrot in my house or two. And then, that way back in the day, got a job setting up a bird of prey show at San Diego Wild Animal Park, and. I put parrots in that show because I love parrots. So always been very fond of parrots. And um, yeah, I've been around them all my life and learned a lot about them. And at a point right now where, you know, we have lots of parrots that we use in our programs, shows, you might call them programs, uh, educational programs. We have two different facilities where we fly big flocks of macaws, 80 at one place. We have three teams of over 25 birds that fly three times a day and the other place is over 60 birds three teams of over 20 and they fly from their big giant flights and they fly over a half a mile to the front of the park 
land out in front where we do an educational program uh, for 10 minutes or so. And then on cue, that big flock of macaws flies back home. It's a, a quite an exciting presentation. And um, so we also have talking parrots that have been um, pets that people have given up because of the problems and the challenges that they've um, run across with their dear pet. They love these birds, you know, as much as any animal they've ever had. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes they have some challenges that make it difficult to share your home with a companion parrot. So, yeah, we want to talk a little bit about that. Want to talk about raising parrots, training parrots. There's so many things to talk about. You, um, you mentioned a little bit earlier, World Parrot Trust. You know, I've been on the board of the World Parrot Trust for, oh gosh, um, maybe 20 years or so. I mean, quite a while. And really seen that organization go through some really great growth. Um, you know, I, I started back when Mike Reynolds was the head of World Parrot Trust, and he did so many amazing things for parrots in the wild and for companion um, parrots. And that's when he invited me on the board many years ago. And that was when just even before Jimmy Gillardi, the current director, came on board. Um, I was one of the people on the board who suggested Jamie because he was such a great field biologist and just a wealth of knowledge of um, wild parrots. And so, yeah, I've been on the board for a long time and um, supporting the World Parrot Trust and all the great work that they're doing. You know, unfortunately, somebody sent me something a while back. There's some some people um, that are upset with the World Parrot Trust, and I don't understand why. It, it'd be interesting for me to hear more about it. I know that the um, uh, some people have said that the World Parrot Trust doesn't share information about where money goes, and boy, <laughs> nothing could be farther from the truth. All you got to do is call me up or uh, Jamie or anybody, Steve Milpacker, and everybody, at, I mean, the World Parrot Trust is very happy to uh, be transparent about everything that they do. And I know we give away a lot of money to uh, wild uh, parrot conservation or in situ conservation, supporting some amazing um, programs. You know, I think one of the reasons that World Parrot Trust took a hit a while back was they, especially Mike Reynolds, uh, were instrumental in stopping the import of wild parrots. I fully support that. I think that um, there were so many parrots coming into this country legally and illegally and, you know, developed a, a great breeding, captive breeding program here in the U.S. and all over Europe, all over the world, really. But unfortunately, those birds just kept coming in like, you know, blue-throated macaws and hyacinths that have never been legally exported. All of a sudden, there were birds from all over you know, coming from places where they were uh, never... Um, uh, actually found, like Blue Throat of Macaws, only found in Bolivia, but they're, they were coming up. Uh, aren't they um, kind of endangered or rare? I was trying well, to remember yeah, they're, their status. Like they're very, right. Yeah, they're very endangered. They're only found in Bolivia, and there's less than 300. There could be as many as only 200 left in the wild. Uh, that's how rare they are. They're one of the rarest parrots in the wild. Mm -hmm. uh, here at our facility, we breed blue throats. We've got 65, 66, and um, we breed them. And at some point, hopefully, they'll be released uh, back into the wild in Bolivia or set up a breeding program in Bolivia. 
uh, the habitat is there. The World Pear Trust has biologists in the field. The biologists uh, were, were paying ex-poachers to protect the nest. So people, yeah, even recently have uh, climbed nests and stolen babies or chopped down trees and stolen the babies. Well, the World Pear Trust is for a long time now for hyacinths and blue throats and others have teamed up with those poachers, pay them more money when the baby fledges from the nest than they ever could have made to um, take that baby out of the nest. That and, is um, an interesting so, tactic. So you're actually oh, so paying the poachers to protect the birds. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, not and only isn't, it, make isn't it, it true, uh, listening on it from my experience about these issues, and Steve is way more of an expert and has more experience with this than I do, but uh, Steve, isn't it, hasn't it been that um, a lot of the poaching, and not justifying poaching, but we're talking about people that are native to these regions and live there. They have families to feed, and don't they often poach to support their families, and just so they have you know, food to eat? Yeah, well, I mean, there is that. And now when the um, World Pear Trust pays the poachers, not only do they make more money to feed their families, but also they gain in status because now they're doing something really good for wildlife. And these people, the poachers no doubt love birds. I don't doubt that for a minute. Um, but, and that maybe is the reason they found the nest in the first place because they love birds. But now they make money, but also they're doing something good for nature and the environment. One of the poachers over there in the Hyacinth area, um, uh, that guy is now a, a, a local hero because of the organization that he's set up locally to protect the Hyacinth macaws and their nests and things from poachers. So yeah, he's gone from being a poacher that nobody knew to almost be a mayor of the city, I think. Yeah. But uh, no, it's great all the way around. But you know, I guess the biggest problem maybe for the World Pair Trust, they made a very difficult decision to put their money where their mouth was and where their passion was, and that's helping to save parrots. So they stopped the import of wild birds, stopped the smuggling effectively, stopped the smuggling. Now birds in the wild, uh, the poachers don't have a market for them, at least not in the US. Um, and that's one of the best things Mike Reynolds ever did for the World Parrot Trust was to stop the import. Now, some people will say, we need to have better biodiversity, uh, uh, better genetics of these hyacinth macaws and blue throats and I have a question about that. While you're yeah, on go ahead. I do. I, mean, I don't mean to interrupt, but listening on is uh, Steve Martin. I talked to Steve about coming on the show again. He doesn't have a lot of time today, but um, and I just came in off the road to do the show, so I wasn't really prepared. But um, we're—I think we're going to have an ongoing relationship here, and I believe Steve has a lot to offer, and I believe World Parrot Trust does too. We need to get this all out in the open, and this is a place to do it out here in a in a live forum where people can can actually hear people talk about these issues. And Steve, I have, uh, I've had a kind of a theory 
about the problems that we've had with domestic exotic birds over the past 30 years, the uh, nervous disorders, plucking, uh, and, and syndromes and things that have come up that I don't think were prominent in, in the wild, uh, the wild bird um, cycle of uh, uh, genetics, so to speak. I, let me just get to the point. I think, I suspect from everything I've heard and everything I've read online over the past 30 years, which there wasn't a lot to read online 30 years ago, a lot more the past 10 years. And from everything I've, uh, I've heard from people since I started doing Bird Talk Radio, I talked to Yvonne Patterson at Wings of Love about this a couple years ago, and she seemed to agree. Um, she said, uh, a long time ago when we were uh, importing and importing of exotic birds was allowed she could take a, a wild parrot and have it tame and talking and riding a bicycle in a couple of weeks um, but as time went on and uh, they banned the import and then uh, all of the birds that that we had were from domestically bred uh, breeders, um, birds became more difficult to work with. And we uh, realized more uh, biological problems with the birds, so to speak, uh, plucking, nervous disorders. My theory is, Steve, um, is, has the, is it possible that the problems that that we've seen especially over the past 10 years are because of the absence of wild-caught birds in the breeding cycles of domestic breeding operations in the usa is that is that a possibility well and you know mike i'm here to give you my opinion so and that's all it is my opinion based on my experience seen parrots in the wild a lot and i've been around a long time so i believe in my opinion absolutely not here's the problem if whether it's a wild caught bird or a domestically bred bird um their behavior is a reflection of their environment see here's here's how i my experience with behavior differs from a lot of other people. When somebody has a parrot that bites, they would try to blame it sometimes on the bird's genetics or, um, well, it was probably bred from a pair of biting birds. And when they, uh, the owners had a bird that bit, so they bred it with another bird that had a history of biting. And so now they have more biting um, babies. That's so far from the truth. Biting is not in the genes. There is nothing inside a parrot that has a preponderance for biting. Biting is caused by the environment that we create. The environment we create is the person handling that parrot. So biting is really all about that person doing something that parrot um, dislikes. The only way the parrot can communicate is to bite. So um, as far as Biting goes and screaming as well. Those two problems, huge problems. It's all about the owner, um, but it's all about the reinforcement history 
with that behavior. So when a person goes to pick up a bird, some pseudo experts would say, just pick him up. Don't let him know that you're scared. Just pick him up. Well, a lot of people get bit, (laughs) you know, and that's when people get bit. Throw a towel because you don't. Yeah, Yeah, right. Um, Exactly. That was back in the day, wasn't it? So it's people say, don't let him know you're afraid. I say, man, if you're nervous, don't even try. Uh, and give that bird a voice. When that bird has a voice through its body language and that bird has the ability to say no, that's the most important thing. The bird says no by moving away, turning his head, walking away. When you give the bird a voice, you're on the path to developing a better relationship with that bird that's based on trust. People will say, make sure he knows you're the flock leader. Don't let him get away with that. All that doesn't compute either. It's just people's excuse for um, being bitten and having um, a bird that they call a biter. Anytime somebody labels a bird a biter, then all they're doing is re- relie- relieving themselves of responsibility for that bird's behavior. Lack of patience. I'm here to, yeah, I'm here and, to tell you and that. The, unreasonable expectations, I think. The bird's behavior is a reflection of the person's ability to work with the bird. So when that bird bites, it's because the person did something that caused the bird to communicate through biting. Now, and it doesn't matter if the bird came out of the wild or not. People, like I was mentioning earlier, say, well, we need those genes. We need those wild genes. We don't. There's more blue throats in captivity by far. There's more hyacinths in captivity by far than there are in the wild. We have plenty of genes. And here's the other problem. Uh, as far as hyacinths go, I don't know that people are going to breed hyacinths and release them back into the wild. No program for that that I know of. Hopefully, because there's so few blue throats and there's plenty of habitat and plenty of food, hopefully there will be some blue throats released back into the wild after all the proper testing is done of wild birds to see what's out there and of captive birds before they're ever thought about going back into the wild. Hopefully there will be a release program. And I know World Paratrust, if anybody's gonna do it right, World Paratrust is the one to do it right. They've got the biologists, they've got everything that they need. And a lot of really great support from the community too. You know, anybody who loves parrots (laughs) should be a member of the World Paratrust because you're doing such good work. Uh, World Paratrust doing such good work with the donations and the memberships, but also, the World Pear Trust has a website that will blow your mind. If you haven't been to the World Pear Trust website, any question you have about any parrot in the world, you go to that website, look it up, and you'll find out information there that's just unbelievable. It's, it's so amazing. So I'm so proud to be part of the World Pear Trust, and they're doing such great work helping to save nature through saving parrots. Because when you save parrots, you save biodiversity in the region where those parrots are found. I mean, it's such good work, man. That so, is beautiful. So, and yeah, can, you, and, can you expound a little bit on what you mean by saving parrots? There, and in this argument, which listening audience, I talked to Steve before the show, and every person on Bird Talk Live online, and I let him know. We don't take sides on Bird Talk Live Online. I'm going to promote what is the best for the birds. And 
and we don't we don't get into a lot of these fights and arguments or take sides or anything but i i think this is this is an appropriate time and place and forum to clear up some of this stuff um i i can't believe that that the founder of world parrot trust set out to ruin uh, you know the lives of parrots or or the the you know the enjoyment of people that that have parrots as pets i just i just can't believe that um and i think it's because of a lot of misunderstanding and lack of communication between the people that don't understand that that have uh you know uh misunderstandings about the organization and the you know maybe world parrot trust hasn't been able to 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 get out in public and and say hey this is this is what it really is so here it is now listening audience we have a board member with world parrot trust and can you can you uh, just i know you want to talk about a few other things steve but can you uh, expound on it and uh, define a little more about what you mean by saving parrots? What is it? How is it that what World Parrot Trust is doing are saving parrots? Well, first of all, um, you know, there's a lot of work uh, with um, um, just doing the field research and um, protecting nests. But the other really important thing World Parrot Trust is does is go out and help the community learn more about the parrots that are in their region. Doesn't matter what type of parrot, if it's endangered, World Parrot Trust has a program, not just to help the wild birds um, by watching nests or um, you know, um, 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 putting up nest boxes, et cetera, but also going right to the community and helping the community understand just how precious this bird is. It's so rare there. Lots of public programs and communities um, school programs where the school children grow up and participate in conservation efforts, saving habitat, um, protecting more uh, food resource for the parrots and things. When the understanding goes through the school system, up through the family, then people understand just not just how beautiful these parrots are, but how important they are to the uh, environment. So there are so many things the World Parrot Trust does to help um, save parrots that people would never know unless you go to the site because you can probably go to the website and have a look at all the various programs World Parrot Trust is doing to help save um, parrots in the wild. What is the uh, website the other, address? It's just World Parrot Trust. World Parrot Trust dot, maybe it's dot org or dot com. I'm not sure. But if you just Google World Parrot Trust, it'll be I'll there. I'll look it up for you while you're, while you're yeah. talking. On, but I think that yeah. You know, when when the import stopped and, and people were not allowed to bring in parrots legally or illegally, I think that caused a lot of people some angst. And I think that most recently there are some people who wanted to bring in some parrots and they weren't able to. And World Parrot Trust continues to make it difficult for poachers to take birds illegally out of the wild, whether it's African greys in Africa or other places and bring them illegally into different countries for sale. You know, people are trying to bring African greys into this country because 
Well, I don't know. I, I don't know what their argument is, but maybe they say we need the genetics, which is not true. Maybe they just need money themselves. I don't know, which probably is true. I have no idea what's going on there. But I know that there's people that want to bring parrots into this country when we don't need more parrots in this country. We have so many parrots in breeding programs right now that are available for companion parrot owners. Um, I told you that I grew up with parrots. You know, I think parrots are one of the most challenging pets you can have in your house. Now, people <laughs> have, have heard me talk about this before, and they say, oh, Steve Martin says you're- After 30 years. They, yeah, <laughs> they are. People think, people think Steve think Martin says we shouldn't have parrots as a pet. <laughs> I, I would never say people should not have a parrot as a pet. I would say that people, if you're going to have a parrot as a pet, um, because that's where I started from. Uh, do your research. Find out how to uh, how to manage a parrot. Find out how what the difficulties about them, and because they are loud. And when you treat them poorly, or you treat them roughly, uh, they can bite and they can learn to bite. And their bite is painful, so painful. Mm -hmm. So I want people to educate themselves before going out and just haphazardly getting a parrot as a pet. Because all you gotta do is walk by a pet store in the mall or whatever, and the people through the door are there to sell you a parrot. Uh, there are breeders now. I know some really great breeders of parrots who are dialing back their breeding because they also believe that, you know, we don't need for every person to have a parrot in their house because not every person is well suited to have a companion parrot in their house. There's a lot of people, the people listening to this right now and on the recording, these are the cream of the crop. These are the people who care more, know more. They spend time to come here and listen to people talk about parrots. That's not the average companion parrot owner. The average companion parrot owner is the one who bought the bird at a pet shop on a whim and brought it home, didn't know what to feed it, didn't know how to take care of it. Then they try to treat it like a dog and manhandle it. And oh my God, all hell breaks loose. So for everybody salesman. listening here, they're, they're better educated. People in this aviculture community are better educated than the average person. Hmm. And this is one of the reasons that I uh, also sometimes would talk about people taking their birds out in public. I know a lot of people want to take their birds out and go fly them free out in the, at the beach or wherever. But I always encourage people, when someone comes up and talks to you about that parrot, tell them honestly about, you know, the challenge that you have with this bird. It screams sun up every morning or it bites when you try to put it back in the cage or whatever it is. Because I don't want to encourage anybody who shouldn't have a parrot. I don't want to encourage them to go out and get a parrot. Because all my life, I've been concerned about uh, welfare, parrot welfare. I mean, that's what I do with the 200 or some parrots that we have here at NEI. And we're all about good welfare for those birds. And that means the handling, training, everything else. But we're also concerned about the welfare of animals in the wild and the welfare of parrots in people's homes. So that's why I like coming on a program like this to share information about um, management and training of parrots. And they're, they're not like a dog or a cat, that's for sure. As you know, Mike, they can be pretty tough. Yes, so. they can. I spent a lot of years, a lot of hours being bitten 
grooming parents and and back then back in the day uh, listening audience long time ago and you know we're talking 20 years ago we didn't have as much information about behavior and behavior training uh, all we were mostly concerned about was that the bird got fed well and that its uh, beak didn't get overgrown its toenails didn't get overgrown in captivity in captivity the birds are they live a different life and out in the wild there's rocks where they can grind off their toenails and their beak they do that naturally um, they uh, I was just looking at the World Parrot Trust website Steve and they have a, a picture of of a clay bank uh, by the river where the parrots are eating clay uh, they consume that to absorb toxins from nuts that they eat in captivity yeah. we have to provide everything for them they they don't uh, if, if you don't provide them abrasive objects where they can grind off their toenails and beak naturally right you know on their own then then uh, the beak gets overgrown and so badly sometimes that they can't even crack nuts or seeds and eat and toenails overgrown uh, so so much they curl under their feet uh, so they have a hard time walking they get trapped in their uh, wire of the cage and can't get loose and these kinds of things so so we are the you know uh, Keeping a, a bird is 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 more about helping them survive captivity um, than uh, than enjoying them, isn't it, Steve? In a way, yeah. You know, there's so much uh, there's so much information people don't have about birds and. Um, you know, people need good resources, and this is a good resource. And World Prayer Trust uh, online is a good resource, and Flock Talk magazine is a great resource uh, from World Prayer Trust. But I, I used to be on um, online on some of these uh, chats online, and I saw something one time that just you know it, it made me think that this is the average person, and this is the average community. This is ten years ago or something. But I saw online somebody say. Oh, I'm so happy to be in this community. I just rescued my first parrot from the pet shop. And now I need to know how to take care of it at home. Uh, we have a dog, but it's, you know we don't have any other birds. And somebody automatically came back really quick. Oh my God, you're such a saint. You rescued the bird from a pet shop. And other people are going, oh, you're so great. You rescued a parrot from the pet shop. and. I'm looking at this with a different attitude. So I wrote back and I said, okay, I, I, I see you say you rescued the pet shop, bird from the pet shop. What was the conditions of that parrot in the pet shop? And she went, oh my God, she went back. My God, it was so loud and noisy. It was in a cage with four other parrots and all these parrots were yelling and screaming. It was chaotic in there. And so people wrote back and they were saying, Oh, that bird is so lucky you rescued it from that chaos and everything. And so I, after three or four or five more of those, I couldn't stand it. I wrote back and I said, hang on. 
let me see if I get this right. You took a parrot out of the, uh, a cage in a pet shop with other parrots and all these parrots yelling and screaming and having fun. And you took it home and put it in a cage where it's gonna spend its whole day alone while you go to work. So I said, think of that bird in the wild. If that bird was in the wild, here's the thing about parrots in the wild. When parrots are in the wild, they always have another bird by their side. Their side. They never don't have another bird by their side. A parrot on its own in the wild is bait. You are listening to Bird Talk live online, a presentation of KC Bird Whisperer International Productions. These shows are live call-in bird talk shows, produced and recorded live from Kansas City. You could be the next guest on Bird Talk Live Online if you have any type of exotic bird, parrot, cockatoo, conure, budgie. We would like to share your experience live on air. If you would like to be a guest on the show, call 816-278-2494. That's 816-278-2494 anytime. Or visit birdtalkradio.com for details, show listings, portfolios of recent guests, and advertising opportunities for your business. Bird Talk Live Online Bird Talk shows are broadcast 24-7, 365 days a year. That's 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, benefiting millions of bird keepers all over the world. I'm your host, Mike Kiger. Thank you for tuning in today.